Stand up, Giant fans. We have the entertainer joining us live on today's Locked on Giants podcast. We'll be taking your questions, talking all things New York Giants. You don't want to miss this episode. Stick around. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? This is Patricia Trainer, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. And my apologies, but the first like seven minutes of the show with Chris, the entertainer, Guzzo, got cut off due to some technical issue um, in which it didn't record. And what he and I had spoken about um, in those lost minutes, apparently, um, that I thought had recorded but didn't. But what we had spoken about included... um, We talked a little bit about the Brian Flores lawsuit and the Giants' response. And uh, where the tape actually picks up is uh, we were talking about Jake Fromm and backup quarterback situations. So uh, you didn't miss a whole lot in the first few minutes, but I did want to come on and let you know what was going on. We did go for... uh, Chris and I basically talked for about an hour and a half, but so you did get most of the conversation. And uh, without any further ado, we're going to jump right in and uh, pick up where the recording finally kicked in. By the way, before I I continue, folks, I I realize um, I think the first part of our show got cut off a little bit. I see it's now functioning now. So I apologize if, if you were like looking for it and I, I see it's now running live. So, uh, oh, oh, was it? We weren't, we were just talking to ourselves. I, I think so. And I, I, <laughs> guys, we were just uh, talking to ourselves for 30 minutes. But it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Listen, listen, I think we recorded it. So if we, if, if, uh, if it didn't go live, I think it's been recorded anyway. So it, cool. it'll show That's up cool. on the replay, I hope. So sorry about that. But yeah, um, yeah, I think, I definitely think quarterback, um, you know, could I see them drafting one this year? Maybe. I don't know that I would draft one this year as a developmental project. Like I said, I would see if Jake Fromm could maybe develop into something. Um, but yeah, a veteran for sure. And and then just, you know, do a maybe a one-year deal and kind of see what comes of it. And uh, just hope, hope that Daniel Jones develops. Because here's the thing. If Daniel Jones stutters again and doesn't develop, Giants are probably going to be in, drafting in the top half of the draft next year anyway. So yeah, yeah, that's the same way I look at it too. Is right. if Daniel Jones fails, it, it's not like you know, it's not like we have a team like the the Chicago Bears did when they went eleven and five with Trubisky at quarterback, where the defense was like number one in the league. We don't have that type of team where the defense could carry us to ten or eleven wins. So if Jones doesn't at least become a near average starting quarterback in the NFL next year, Giants are going to be picking top ten again. So yeah, and, yeah. and that's that's where you would go out and try to get your quarterback. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, now I want to ask you about uh, Saquon because I just wrote um, an article over on Giants Country that Devonta Booker was named the unsung hero of 2021 um, by NFL.com. And I got to thinking, you know, and I had this conversation with with a couple colleagues during the pressers uh, last week. Could Saquon be here? Next year, I mean, does it make sense to maybe you look mean, to could trade Booker him? Be here? Is that what you're asking? Pardon? Are you asking if Booker could be here or Saquon? No, Saquon. Do you oh, think, I think Saquon's Saqu- going to be here next year? You think so? Yeah. Do you think he'll finish the season next year here? 
That, I don't know. I think that's circumstantial. I think it, it depends on what the trade market is, how well he's playing. Um, Saquon could go either way for me in terms of being here more than a year or half a year, but I definitely think he's going to start the season as a New York Giant. The guy who I think will not is actually Booker. Really? Um, yeah, because they're going to save $2 million if they cut Booker. He cost $3 million to keep him, and the way I look at it, the guy has no ties to the new GM coming in. You could draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round and pay him you know, 25% to 20% of what you're currently pay paying Devontae Booker. And that's not a slight at Booker. Um, I just think that the money could be utilized better in, in, in a different capacity. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. Plus, Booker, you know, he's he's on the, the – I think he's going to be 30. There's running backs in the draft that I think they can add. You know, I, I still would like to see what Gary Brightwell can add to the mix, if not, you know, besides special teams. Um. But yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be a position they're going to have to add to. But see, here's here's my thinking, Chris. If Daniel Jones develops the way they want him to, and if uh, Saquon has a good year, do you invest big contracts in both of them after 2022? I don't think he can. No. Um, so who, so you, and you got to go with the quarterback, I would think. So at that point... What do you do? Do you franchise Saquon or, or do you maybe franchise Daniel? I mean, how do you, I know we're, we're, we're dealing down the line here, but how, how would you see that playing out? Assuming both have solid years. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Um, here's what I'll say. I think the probability of keeping Saquon longer than just this year, potentially a year after that, like you alluded to with the franchise tag only goes up if Daniel Jones fails, because mm. at that point, like if Saquon proves he could stay completely healthy, for a full season, he gets back to his old form. Is it possible the Giants could sign him on, say, a three-year extension? Sure, but the only way I could see it making sense is if they say to themselves, well, we're going to be bringing in a rookie quarterback. We're not going to have to pay the quarterback that much money, and a guy like Saquon Barkley could help further the young quarterback's development. That's the only way I could see it even being plausible, um, is if Daniel Jones actually fails. If Daniel Jones succeeds and Daniel Jones grows as a quarterback next year, I don't see a path to where Saquon Barkley could be in the long-term plans of the Giants. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's the other thing. I mean, for as talented as Saquon is, I think initially when they took him, the plan might have been to build around him. I mean, I could be wrong here. And I don't know that you can build around a running back. I think you have to build around a quarterback. And I think yep. that's what the Giants are looking to do here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that's oh. that, that's what the best teams do. I mean, you, you tell me one one team off the top of your head that, in today's NFL, and, and you can find one here and there. There's outliers like uh, Marshawn Lynch, for example, when the um, what, when the Seahawks won a Super Bowl, uh, Russell Wilson was still wet behind the ears. He wasn't developed yet. He was probably the focal point of that offense. Um, you could say Derrick Henry with the Titans, but it's few and far between where the running back is the most important part of, of a team's offense, and, and they're a winning football team. It's very rare. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I put this uh, this quote up here from J.C. Silva about tight end, and I'm going to throw a scenario out at, at everybody, and I know what kind of reaction I'm going to get here, but I'm going to put it out there anyway because I was talking with somebody. If the old coaching staff was back, I think we could all agree, Evan Ingram, no way he's coming back. Mm -hmm. Brand new coaching staff coming in now. Everybody's getting a clean slate. Is there a tiny possibility, in your opinion, that maybe Evan Ingram gets a, a one-year prove-it deal from this team, given that he's, you know, he's got the talent. I mean, I, for mm -hmm. some reason, 
past coaching staffs haven't been able to bring it out from him. And I know he's not a very popular player. People would just assume get rid of him yesterday. But is, do you think there's maybe a tiny, tiny chance that he gets that one year prove it deal, given that, you know, he is athletic and if they use him right, maybe he can contribute to the offense. My answer is no, but it's not because I don't think the New York Giants wouldn't bring him back if the, if if he was willing to take a one-year cheap salary. So I think they would because, like you said, he does have potential, and maybe with an improved coaching staff, you get the most out of him. But what I see is I see a guy that teams are going to look at, and they're going to say this was a guy that was misused, this was a guy that was not given the best circumstances to succeed, and they're going to say he was a first-round talent, he's got immense upside. If we put him in our situation – He's going to flourish. And I think there'll be a number of teams that are willing to throw some money at him to go out there and, and give him a multi-year deal. So th- that's my answer on Ingram. I don't see him coming back here because as much as Giants fans may not believe it, I do think there's going to be a handful of teams that are actually going to be interested in bringing him into their football team. You think about a team like, I don't know, say Roger stays with the Packers, a team like the Green Bay Packers, they could certainly use a weapon like that in their offense. And I think there's a number of other teams, which is good news for the Giants, by the way, because we'll get compensated. Well, not for the next year, though. Yeah, not yeah, until not the next year. Yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, I just found that interesting because I, when I was talking to somebody about that, I said, mm, "I never thought of that." You know, but yeah, that's usually what happens with new coaching staffs. They come in, they give everybody a clean slate. But you know what? The Giants haven't been able to get much out of Ingram. Um, it's a shame. The kid works his tail off, but they just it just hasn't played out and. You know, I know for Inside Football, which is one, another of the publications I write for, we always say that he's an athlete. He's not really a, 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 what we would consider a, a football player. There's a difference between being athletic and, and being a football player. And just too much has just shown up in his game that make us say, you know, geez, this guy is just not a football player. But, you know, he, he, the efforts there, it's, it's hard to argue with the effort. And, and and like I said, I think Evan is a good guy. Yeah. He comes and he works his tail off. But just sometimes, you know, it just doesn't pan out for, for whatever. Also, uh, I'll also be honest with you. If I was Evan, I wouldn't want to come back to the Giants, if I'm being honest with you, because I would feel like I want a fresh start. The fan base can't stand him. I remember it was like clearly apparent that he felt like he was bothered. Uh, he didn't he didn't do anything bad. He handled it professionally, but you could see it in his face. He was bothered by, uh, you know, some of the heckling by the fans. I remember seeing that a couple of times on TV this past year. So if I was Ingram, I'd want to go to a more developed offense and an opportunity to uh, flourish. And I do think somebody's going to – I'm not saying he's going to get a record-breaking contract, but I do think somebody's going to sign him and, sure. and give him a decent amount of money. And the tight end class this year is pretty deep. So it's not like, you know, if they lose them, they're going to be left, you know, high and dry. So, all right. I got this next comment here from Daniel Kim, who says we need a new training staff and medical team because the Giants are always hurt and soft as glass. Now, all right. I know I'm going to sound like an apologist here, and that's not my intention. But let me just clarify something. The medical team treats the injuries they do not cause the injuries the the unit that i would look at and this comes from the head coach Mm -hmm. the strength and conditioning staff that's been the problem in my mind when aaron wellman was here i don't think the giants had half the injury issues um that they had had the last few years so i mean I think, you know, we talk about the importance of the the coordinator hires and some of the the assistant coaching hires, the training, the, uh, I'm sorry, the the strength and conditioning staff, that's important as well. And um, I know I've mentioned this uh, on the show before, and I think 
I am going to have a medical specialist come on and I'm hoping to get a football uh, coach, uh, not a football coach, uh, ex-football coach who is in strength and condition to come on to talk about some of these injury issues. But Chris, I mean, last year the Giants were like, I think the second most injured team, or maybe they were the first. Most I think they were team. first. I think they yeah. were first. So, I mean, what, what do you, what's your take on this? Do you think, you know, this was just Joe Judge running too hard of a practice? Do you think it was just... The training, I, I have theories. I and Again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't have my degree yet. But I question some of the training um, that, that might have been going on behind the scenes. And I don't know the full aspect of it. I also question this incessant need of people wanting to lose body fat, which I think you need a certain degree of body fat, maybe a little bit more than you think you need because it acts as a buffer and a cushion and, and maybe a lubricant, I guess, at some point on some of your joints and ligaments. But I, again, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm just, you know, spitballing here. Yeah, and that's all I could do. Um, I, I, I get asked this question all the time because it's not just this year. It's been, you know, there's been a recurring theme for a long time with the Giants. It always seems like they have a ton of injuries. The year before, it didn't seem like they had that many. Um, it's just that they had a big injury to Saquon Barkley, but it didn't seem like the team was nearly as banged up as this past year. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a, a multiple things. I think it's like you said, strength and conditioning coach, I'm sure has something to do with it. Obviously some people point to the turf. Some people point to Joe judge's practice methods. Um, I think some of it may have to do with the fact that we seem to sign guys that may have an injury history. You look at Kenny Galladay, we signed him. Um, even Adore Jackson had a bit of an injury history as well before we brought him in here. Kyle Rudolph, it was uh, well documented that he had a, he had an injury that the New York Giants were able to look past. So, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I don't just think it's one singular thing, much like the New York Giants themselves. Like people always say, what's the problem with the Giants? I don't think there's one problem. I think there's like 20 problems and it's just a matter of figuring out what, which problem needs to be fixed first. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, hopefully they get that straight out because nobody can seem to find the answer to it. And I know it's frustrating. I know I have people on my Twitter account ask me about it all the time. Fans ask me about, I see a lot of comments here on, on the chat this morning and trust me, it is frustrating. I mean, even for the players, it's frustrating, especially, you know, they work out during the offseason. And by the way, I think that might have something to do with it as well, because I question whether or not the trainers they're using are just generic trainers or are they football specific trainers? I think there's a different there's a difference in that um, that that and, and I pointed to myofascial stretching, which is something I had discovered a few years ago, which, by the way, I love. Um it's a little different than regular stretching. So it, it, it's an interesting topic and it's, it, it is one I'm going to address on the show coming up. I think next week I have the doctor coming on and then I'm going to see if I can get the football trainer on as well. But uh, yeah, for those of you who are asking about it, stick around. We'll, we'll definitely have that topic. Um, it's a great topic on there. Yeah. Especially, you know, and, and, and I want to give a shout out. I forget. I apologize who, who it was, but some, I think it was um somebody named Steve, maybe I think it was, sent me an email saying that the Bills eliminated squats from their their uh, warm-ups and thus they didn't have a lot of injury issues or something like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, the body is so fascinating. I don't think there's one set formula for that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, folks, we got to take a commercial break. I apologize. I do have to get my sponsors in. But we've got – we're, we're going to go to about uh, 1230 – uh, so we've got another hour with the entertainer. I'm psyched about it. Hope you are as well. Hope you'll stick around. So let me get these commercials in and we will be right back at you. 
All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up with the entertainer. But first, if you do a lot of driving, you need to know about the Get Upside app that offers savings every time you fill up at the pump. Download the free Get Upside app today and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up to get at least 25 cents per gallon or more back on your first fill up at participating gas stations. You can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, or get an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. So go ahead, download that free Get Upside app today to start your savings. And don't forget to use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. All right, Giant fans, we have so much more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, the NFL might be winding down, but there's still so much more to go in terms of the sports world. And BetOnline.net has all the odds, all the information you need to make your bets wisely. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL, for basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas games. Check them out today. They've got odds. They've got player performance props. They have even, uh, they'll even tell you when the next head coach is going to be fired of a team and where that person might land. So plenty of stuff you can choose from at, from their extensive selection of offerings. BetOnline.net is your number one online wagering destination and is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we are back with the entertainer. I am Patricia Trana and appreciate y'all tuning in. We see we have a nice, uh, healthy following here. So a shout out to everybody who took the time. And again, my apologies for the earlier gaffe. You didn't miss that whole much. We just touched a little bit on the Brian Flores situation. Um, you know, unfortunate, but Chris and I are both hopeful that at the end of the day, that, uh, there are, that changes are made to the Rooney rule that bring about more diversity in the workplace because, you know, it's clear that if you look at the numbers and the stats, there's just not enough. And hopefully that changes because everybody deserves a chance, regardless of your sex or your, your gender or, or your, your race or whatever the case may be. So anyway, appreciate y'all tuning in. Let's get to some more of your questions. Let's see. Um, JC Silver, let me put this one up on the screen. Is Nick Gates, Shane Lemieux coming back? Um, JC, they're under contract. So I guess you mean from the injuries, um, Lemieux, I expect back Gates, I think will be back. I just don't know if Gates will be back to start the season. My, my guess is Gates could end up on pup because his injury from what I remember, um, from what details I do have, which, you know, granted are, are not, you know, it's not intimate details, but, um, kind of reminds me of Rich Seibert's injury from several years ago. And it took a couple of years for Richie to come back. So listen, I learned back then never to count a guy out. Um, Richie, I, I thought Richie's career was done. He proved me wrong, which I was glad to see because I absolutely love him. Um, I feel the same way about Nick. I don't think Nick is done. Now, Chris, let me ask you this. If Nick does come back, and I mm -hmm. do think he will, do you put him at center or do you maybe look to draft a center and move Nick to guard? Yeah. Um, 
Good question. Uh, as far as the, the, the first part goes, I definitely think Lemieux will be back. Gates, to me, is still iffy, at least for this year, like for the reasons that you said. The guy's had seven leg surgeries. But if Nick Gates can play, I mean, I, I think it depends on the draft. Here's what I'll say. I don't think Nick Gates is going to prevent you from drafting a center if you feel there's a, a, a top-tier center in this draft that falls into your lap, say, in the second round. I, I don't think that's going to prevent you from doing that. That's kind of the beauty of Nick Gates. Um, the guy, could, you can move them all over, right? So if you draft, if you think there's a guy that could be a long-term piece at the center position and you like him, I think you still go out and draft him and you shift Gates to the guard spot. If you don't draft the center uh, and Gates can play, keep him where he is. Obviously, that you know you, you want to continue to further develop that chemistry between Jones and Gates at, at the center spot. So depends on what they do in the draft. But I, I'm leaning that Gates probably will not uh, be a part of the uh, opening day starting lineup on the, on the offensive line this year. Okay, so now that raises the question, do you draft a center or do you bring back Billy Price and just have him as your placeholder? No. <laughs> no. I'm good with Billy Price. Um, I, uh, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. I'm, I'm not a big Billy Price fan. Billy Price was really bad. Um, I would prefer the New York Giants do take a center at some point in this draft. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Linderbaum. If it's not him. I, I have a preference of them taking a center, hopefully relatively early. I do think they need a lot of help on that interior part of the offensive line. Uh, but no, I don't want to see Billy Price back here next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think I'm with you on that. Now, speaking of the offensive line, Chris, what's your thought about Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach they hired from Buffalo? Do you like the hire? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't know a ton about him, but um, the, the thing that I like about it more so than anything else uh, is when you look at the New York Giants over the last five, six, seven years, and something that Joe Shane talked about in his opening press conference, there's been no continuity specifically on the offensive line, uh, both with the players and the coach, right? I mean, you think about it. I mean, with, with under Joe Judge alone, they went through three different offensive line coaches, and they had like three other guys that were mentoring uh, Rob Sell last year, Pat Flaherty being one of them. There has not been like a singular voice to teach these players. And if you factor in Joe Judge, it was kind of three offensive line coaches Joe Judge's first year, because if you remember, he was kind of the guy that took over for Mark Colombo and made some alterations. So I, the one thing that I really like about bringing in Bobby Johnson is I think it kind of solidifies that there's going to be at least a couple of years of continuity on the offensive line in terms of their coach due to the fact that he's coming over from Buffalo. It's clearly a guy that they like. It's a guy they enjoy working with. So I don't see Brian Dable firing him after a year. So more so than anything else, that that's what I like. And when you look at what he was able to accomplish this year, when I did a little research, on Buffalo's offensive line this past year, they had no continuity on the line. They had a ton of injuries. They had a lot of guys that had to sit out due to COVID, yet they were still one of the best, better pass-blocking units in football. They only surrendered the second-most sacks in all of football, despite the fact that Josh Allen had the fifth-most passing attempt. So I, I think that's a – that yeah, I think it's a good get by the Giants. Yeah, and I like the fact that, you know, he – Basically, we built that line. I think it was in 2019. They had four new starters, which, hey, does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, now, you know, and, and you raise a good point. You talk about continuity. You know, we talk about how the Giants haven't had continuity on at offensive coordinator. They haven't had it also on offensive line. So I wonder how much of that played into the fact that this Giants offensive line the last couple of years just was, wasn't very good. I mean, it, it, you had... Colombo was a very different, you know, had different me teaching methods, different preferences. Then uh, Googs had different teaching methods. And then you bring in Rob Sale, who not a horrible coach, but he was a college coach. And I don't know if he ever really adapted to the pro level. I mean, no continuity there. It was it, it was 
it's just like the offensive coordinator position, I think. Yeah, and and that's what I like about it more so than anything else. Is I think you're definitely going to have continuity uh, at that spot. Now, the, the Kafka one, who knows? Uh, you may not have a ton of continuity there, but the good, you know, because Giants offense is good. We've seen it in the NFL. Teams are looking for the next hot shot, you know, offensive coordinator, and he's definitely a guy that uh, people were really looking at and were attracted to. So if the Giants offense takes a big jump, maybe we lose him. But the good news is we got Dable. So Dable's obviously a guy that, I think he's going to have a lot of say in this offense to begin with. I think that's the you know the main reason why we brought him in. So that's the good news there and why I wanted them to hire an offensive coach to begin with. Yes, definitely. Now, before we talk about the defensive side of the ball, just want to quick uh, let everybody know who's, who's watching live. I have a box here. Now, for those of you who haven't been following the Lockdown Giants podcast, when I hit 1,000 subscribers, they sent me a lollipop, an actual big one of those novel lollipops with all the multiple colors so they said okay i said to them thanks for that i said i said what do i get when i hit 2000 well this is what i get when i hit 2000 what's in this box i don't know but what i'm going to do is and i know i'm close to 2000 subscribers so those of you who are watching please hit that subscribe and like button um and i will actually open this box on the air once i see that i have hit 2000 subscribers i have a feeling i know what it is i just don't know the specific details but it should be fun and we will find out together what is in the box if i hit 2000 subscribers so thanks to everybody who's popping in all right chris let's talk defense it looks like patrick graham is coming back um disappointed that that he didn't get the head coaching job i mean really a, a solid smart candidate um you know but the vikings decided to go in a different direction i don't think graham has been mentioned with any other um coaching opening that that remains i think there was a couple left if i'm not mistaken the saints and the texans uh but but on the on the flip side i'm kind of glad that patrick's coming back what are your thoughts about his return yeah i also i don't know how how legitimate it was it was somebody with a check mark i I think i read earlier this morning that the raiders are are looking at graham as well potentially but i do think he's going to be back from everything we've heard it looks like he's going to be back as the dc the good news that would have came out from it if he got the Vikings job was we would have gotten th- uh, two third-round comp picks, which would have been nice. It would have been nice to add that. And there, there is a lot of good defensive coordinators out there, Vic Fangio, Don McMartindale. There's options that the Giants could have brought in. But as far as Patrick Graham goes, I see him catch a lot of slack from the fan base in terms of the, the fact that they talk about how, you know, is Ben but don't break approach. Listen, I think Patrick Graham's a pretty damn good uh, defensive coordinator. I think he's worked with what he's been provided with. And when you factor in – He's got no real number one edge rusher. It's very hard for them to get pressure unless they blitz. And we saw when they tried to blitz the first couple of weeks what it did. We got torn apart uh, defensively. So I think the New York Giants need to add a top-tier edge rusher to really allow Patrick Graham to be as aggressive as some fans may want him to be. We're weak in that area. But I thought Patrick Graham, especially after the first three or four weeks, did a pretty good job on a week-to-week basis um, in terms of game planning. You think back to that Chiefs game. He did a damn good job against that Chiefs offense. He took Travis Kelsey completely out of the game, um, and, and they did a great job on Tyreek Hill as well in that in that contest. So, yeah, I know he's got a bend but don't break approach, and fans may not like that, but he's not getting any help on the other side of the ball. Um, and he doesn't have the horses to uh, be an offense, say, like the, I don't know, the 49ers or one of these deep defenses that you are seeing are getting consistent pressure on the quarterback play-to-play. So, I think there needs to be an improvement on, on that side of the ball in terms of personnel. But I think Graham's a pretty smart guy, um, and, and I'm glad he's back. I think he's a good coach. Now, here's the, here's the caveat here. Um, as everybody might know, and if you don't know, uh, I have this on Giants Country. I recently did a cap breakdown 
I looked at the giant salary cap and I came up with a plan to trim about 40 plus million off the uh, the salary cap. Which is which what Shane said he's going to do, 40 million. Yes. Well, right. And this, this was before that story came out. I figured about 40 million. But anyway, when I look at the Giants cap, the top five is where they are most top heavy. And I think uh, the top five, and I'm, I don't remember the exact order, but I know Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Blake Martinez, and Kenny Galladay are the top five heaviest cap hits. That's a lot of defensive players in there. So that said, I don't think Leonard Williams is going anywhere. I don't think Adoree Jackson's going anywhere. Could the Giants conceivably get by if they were to part ways with Martinez and Bradbury? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually did a video on this too the other day um, and talked about the guys they could potentially cut. Um, if I, I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up now so we, I could talk about it as I'm talking to you. There's some guys on the bottom that I could see them be, uh, being cut as well. Dixon, to me, is an obvious cut along with Rudolph. Those two guys save about $8 million by themselves, and that now you got to save another $32 million. Um, there's also guys like Slayton that you could potentially trade that would save you $2.5 million. Caden Smith could save you two point five. He carries no dead, ca- uh, dead cap hit. O'Shane Zimenez could save you a million. Julian Love could save you two point six. And I know as fans we really like these guys, but at the end of the day you have to realize that the guys that are coming in have no attachments to these players. Um, but in, in order for them to save $40 million, like Shane has said, I think you have to cut at least one of those two guys. I, I can't see both Martinez and Bradbury com- coming back. I'd be shocked. Um, those two guys by themselves would save you $21 million if you were to cut both. The other thing that Joe Shane said and why I don't think they're going to look to restructure these salaries, he said he's not looking to kick money down the road. He's not looking to kick the can down the road. So I don't expect extensions. Again, he has no ties to any of these players. So I wouldn't be surprised if they cut both. I certainly think they're cutting at least one. I have Bradbury as, as the likely cut. And I know people are saying, what are you, crazy? He's the number one cornerback. I don't think Bradbury, you know, he dropped off last year. I mean, he's still a very good cornerback. But again, you look at the draft and you say, okay, can they make up for it in the draft? And it's a, draft, a deep draft at cornerback. Martinez is interesting because of the injury. I have them as a restructure, and I think they can do a restructure where they're not kicking a lot of money down the road. I think they're going to have to, to be honest with you. And, you know, another guy that they're going to have to cut, he's not in the top five, but he's in the top ten, is Shep. Yeah. And that that's going to break my heart. It really is. But, you know, I, I just don't see how he's back with Kadarius Tony on the roster. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's tough. But let's stick with the defense here for a second. If they do cut Bradbury, how big of a hole does that create for this defense? And do they have maybe some of these younger guys who can, you know, where, where Graham can maybe finagle it a little bit? Maybe, I don't know, maybe they put a Dory Jackson on the number one corner uh, receiver rather and plug in another guy. Or do they need to, to add now at this position? Yeah, I mean, I think a Dory instantly becomes your number one corner, at least for next year, if you were to cut Bradbury. But it opens up the possibility, like I see Floyd Samuel say in the chat, cut James and maybe draft. Stingley, the, uh, the the highest-rated cornerback in this year's draft, if they were to cut Bradbury, it definitely opens up the possibility that you could take an early corner. For sure, it's definitely an important position. And you look at what the Bills have done in the past, um, they built their defense mainly around a strong secondary. They kind of added those edge rushers at the tail end of it in more recent drafts, but they had one of the better secondaries in football for a number of years. So I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if the New York Giants take a corner with one of those first two picks in this year's draft, especially if they cut James Bradbury. I definitely think it's a possibility. 
So you think you're thinking one of the first two picks? I'm not saying it. it I, I don't know if I would mock that, but if they yeah. did it, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, well, nothing would surprise me. This right now, we don't have a feel for how Shane might be thinking. You know, after a while, you kind of develop a feel for how your general manager and your head coach start to think when it comes to personnel. And right now, we've got to figure all that out, obviously, and going to be interesting. Um, you know, I have an article that I'm doing. Um, I hope to have it done today. I probably won't have it done till the weekend, though, because it does require a little research. But I did a study of how Buffalo has drafted versus how the giants have drafted and it's a comparative study. Um, so I'm just doing a little bit more research to finalize it. It will be on giants country at some point this weekend. Um, Cause you know, so if you're not planning to watch the pro bowl and who is, I'm no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> we got the senior bowl tomorrow. I'll watch that the senior bowl that I did that. I want to tune in for definitely, but the yeah. pro bowl, no thanks. I mean, so at some point I will have that article out. If you want to check it out, that'll be on giants country. So, all right, a couple more questions here. Let's get those in. Lake Nona, do you think Daniel Jones's fifth-year option will be picked up before May, or if he has a really good year be- next year, do they pay him the big money? I don't think his fifth-year option gets picked up. Would you agree, Chris? I'm leaning that it won't. I, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if it did, but I, I don't think it should be. I've talked about the reasoning as to why. Um, and even if they did pick it up, I don't really see the benefit because if he has a great year – which we're all hope we at least we all should be hoping as Giants fans that's the case. Um, he's going to want to rip that up anyway. He's going to want an extension. He's not going to want to play on a one year deal. So the the way I look at it is with especially with the injury concerns and the lack of production so far at the quarterback position, I I, I don't see I don't see the value in, in extending him on the fifth year option. I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, t- t- financially, I don't think it makes sense. And you know, look if he plays well. And you don't reach a new contract extension, you franchise him. And then obviously that means you make a decision on Saquon and Saquon. Now, if you don't get him signed, um, you let him walk. But uh, again, where's your priority? Who's going to be the cornerstone of your offense? And if Daniel has a great year, he's going to have to be the cornerstone. I can't see them choosing Saquon over Daniel as the cornerstone. And I love Saquon. I hope he's a giant for life, but I don't know that you can do that. Because remember, the other thing you have to take into consideration is Andrew Thomas's contract. I think he's going into year three this year. He's going to be eligible for an extension. So you've got some some big things that are coming up. Um, and I haven't even talked about Dexter Lawrence, who a lot of people forget that his contract, his fifth-year option, is also on the table because he was a first-rounder in that 2019 draft class. I don't think they pick his deal up either. No, I, I don't think they're going to – I mean, who knows? I guess we're going to see how they evaluate these players, but I agree with you. I don't think they're picking up Dexter Lawrence's uh, option. I don't know what the price would be, but I don't see him being in the long-term plans of this football team. I'd be surprised. I think they're going to look at that as a guy that they could get that level of production in the draft in the in the second or third round. You know, it's not like he's been killing it at that position. So I, I expect them to clean house uh, with, with a lot of these guys that get them in his drafted in the past because – it's cheaper, it's more cost-effective, and you get younger, and it's 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 more long-term thinking. All right. Now, so I see some of you are asking me about specific college players, and the reason why I haven't flashed those questions is, is because I haven't studied them yet. I am going through all the players. I see, uh, for example, uh, Satvik Sat, uh, asked me about Bailey Zappi out of Northern Kentucky. Haven't gotten that far yet. Um, I'm going through them. On Giants Country, we have um, scouting profiles, and I've got – 
articles that just came in actually that I have to edit after I'm done with this show uh, from the senior bowl and from stuff related to the draft. So guys, I, I promise you, as we get a little deeper into it, I will be able to comment more on, on some of these draft picks. I don't know. Chris, is the, are you familiar with this guy? Let me just put the question on the screen here. Um, I'm somewhat you- familiar with him. I've watched a couple of, um, you know, highlight clips on YouTube about him. I know he threw like 53 touchdowns um, this year. He goes to a small school. I, I'm somewhat familiar with him, um, but I'm, I can't speak that, you know, I don't know enough about him where I could speak like a lot about him, but I know like people, most people have him mocked in like the three to five round area. Um, he's definitely not going to be a first round pick. Yeah. Now, now here's uh speaking of, just going back to cuts for a second here. Uh, Yuri writes, uh, Logan Ryan is a primary cut candidate. I, didn't have, I, I don't think so this year either. I, I did not have him in my, my salary cut cap health plan, if you will. I think next year makes more sense, but um yeah, I mean looking at it, Pat, I mean he's due to he's due to he, he has a cap hit rather of twelve point two million dollars next year. If you cut him, you still have to pay him eleven point five. Yeah. So you're saving seven hundred thousand dollars if you cut him. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The following year, however, um, and that's where it gets more interesting with some of these guys they could cut. Um, you you would save uh he would cost twelve point two to keep two point nine to cut. So you'd be saving like so, or, you know what, seven, eight million dollars. Um, other guys they could cut are Leonard Williams, he's eight million to cut, he's 26 to keep, so that's 18 million dollars in savings if he's not progressing and they don't feel he's part of the long term solution. Galladay, 10 to cut, 21.4 to keep, so that saves you 11 and a half million dollars if you were to move on from him. Adore Jackson, you could save 12 if you were to cut him. So, there's a lot of options the following year with, with some of these higher priced players on the team this year. It just doesn't add up. The, the cut doesn't, the, the savings doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Now, Chris, I want to ask you about the draft. Giants have fifth and the seventh pick. Do you keep those picks or do you maybe try to move down a little bit, maybe entice one of these quarterback needy teams yeah. to come up and take one of those picks? And if so, which pick are you thinking about? moving from and then i know it's early we still have to do the combine we still got to do pro days yeah so you know what's your feeling right now and and, and I, i'm not going to hold you to it obviously but what's yeah, your yeah, feeling yeah. right now on that i see everybody getting so excited over um, malik willis and, and and all these quarterbacks and maybe we will take a quarterback who knows um i'm excited because i want the quarterbacks to look great because like you said it's going to potentially up the trade value if the new york giants look to trade down because i honestly believe we are going with jones and i don't think we're taking a first round quarterback so if Malik Willis looks fantastic, great. That means we may be able to get a ton for a team that's looking to trade up to, to receive a quarterback in this year's draft if that's not our option. So I think only good news comes out of the senior bowl if these quarterbacks look really good this weekend, um, whether or not we're taking a quarterback or not. Um, as far as what pick I'd look to trade, whichever pick's going to get me more. But I, I would I would guess the fifth pick makes more sense due to the fact, more than likely if a team's trading that you know that early in the first round looking to trade up it's going to be for a quarterback and if you trade up to five you're jumping the Panthers the Panthers are a team that potentially could look to take a quarterback Sam Darnold's not the be all end all there you know even though I know they traded for him last year so if I'm a team like I don't know the Vikings or you know the Broncos or a team that may be looking to draft a quarterback I'm looking to potentially jump Carolina so I think the five pick probably makes a little bit more sense for a team that's looking to trade up. And if I'm trading back, I'd better be getting a future first round pick. What about in terms of stacking up picks for next year? I mean, do you worry about next year and say, 
look, this team is not, I, I don't think this Giants team is one draft away from fixing all its problems. I think a, a solid draft will certainly help. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, offensive line is a big issue. I think you need to find that Batman on, on the edge rusher uh, spot. Um, if you cut Bradbury, you might need to add another cornerback. Tight end, we mentioned, is, is, is a need. Probably getting another receiver could be another need if they part with Shep. I mean, so do you say to yourself, okay, we're going to swing for the fences this year or we're going to maybe sacrifice, maybe trade down mm-hmm. um, and maybe get look to get some picks for next year, 2023, so that we can continue to stack up? Because, again, remember, you look at the um, the unrestricted free agent list, I, other than maybe Evan Ingram and I don't know, maybe Will Hernandez. I, I and I'm just guessing here. Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter. Okay, Lorenzo Carter. Those three. Is anybody going to really bring a major comp pick if they sign someplace else? No, not. I'm trying. I think there's one other. Oh, uh, Jabril Peppers, maybe. Peppers, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, no. I I think the highest we're going to get is probably a fourth round comp pick. But if if I'm the GM in this year's draft, I mean. Yes, I'm looking to trade down. I'm not just thinking about next year. This team is not about next year. This team is, this is the beginning. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, this is the beginning of another rebuild. So the more future draft capital you could get, the better. So if I'm the Giants and the right deal presents itself, especially if I'm not taking a quarterback in this year's draft, I want as much capital as I can for the future in case I have to take one. I think it's insurance in case Daniel Jones doesn't take a big leap um, if you trade down and get another first round pick in the 2023 draft class. So I, I think that's ideal. Like if, if you would ask me right now, what's like an ideal, you know, day one scenario for the New York Giants, it would be trading down from, you know, let me let me pull up the uh, the tankathon right now. I'll give you my ideal. Um, we trade down from five to, we'll say, 12 with Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota doesn't feel like Cousins is the long-term answer there at the quarterback spot, and they love a guy like Malik Willis or, or Pickett or whoever. We trade down from 5 to 12. We get a future first, maybe a future third along with it. We take a tackle with that seventh pick, and then we just take the best available player at 12, whether that be an interior offensive lineman, whether that be an edge rusher, a linebacker, whatever. Um, that, to me, is an ideal scenario. You, you you fill two immediate needs, and you get a future first-round pick. I, I think that would be a great day one for the New York Giants if they could do that. I like that. I like that. I think we should name you assistant general manager and put you in Joe Shane's ear. <laughs> All right, folks, I've got one more commercial break. I have to run, but don't worry. We still have at least another half hour to go with the entertainer. We're having a ball here. I hope you're enjoying the show as well. Let me run this quick commercial. We'll be right back at you. All right, giant fans, still more to come on today's show. But first, if you are aiming to eat healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and sugar. Most Built Bars have around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And they are covered in pure milk chocolate, which means they taste great and As I said, you don't feel like you're eating healthy. You're actually, you feel like you're eating a candy bar. So no matter what diet plan you are on, Built Bar is sure to be a great fit for your dietary needs. Head on over to BuiltBar.com today and use our special promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your first order. Again, that's code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. 
All right. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. No more commercials the rest of the way. It's just me and the entertainer, Trina and the entertainer. I love that. I love how people, that people have been saying that in the comments a lot. Trina and Tana. I like it. It's a good, it, it does sound good. I, I do like it. I do like it. And and, and and listen, I don't know about you, but I'm having a ball talking ball, uh, football with you, as always. I mean, you, you're so knowledgeable, and I really do appreciate you coming on. And I appreciate all your followers who are checking out the podcast. And I hope you all will become subscribers here of the Locked on Giants podcast because I try and do as good a job as Chris, you know. No, you can <laughs> Let me shout out a couple of my followers, by the way. I see a, a bunch of my regulars are in here. So Roldy, JC Silva, Dustin, Floyd, Fabian. My dad's in the chat, Ron, Ron Juan, Sergio. Thank you to all you guys for coming over um, and checking out the pod. I always, I always appreciate all you guys. And I appreciate y'all taking the time as well. Um, so, hey, listen, let's let's get back to some some giant stuff. You know, Chris, we one coaching move that the Giants made, um, and I don't think it's gotten a lot of um, a lot of write up. I know I wrote about it. Is to bringing back Jerome Henderson, it looks like, mm-hmm. as the defensive backs coach. I am thrilled with that. I thought Henderson did a really good job, all things considering, with the defensive backs, given the situation that he faced, you know, with the injuries to Peppers, you know, with the Dory Jackson in and out of the lineup, with the COVID situation. We remember at the end of the year there. I thought he did a great job. And, you know, one of the things I liked about Henderson and, and when they hired him initially and I'm a big believer in this, and I know you can't always have this, but he was a former NFL defensive back. And there's just, for me, there's just something to be said about coaches who were former players, because I just bring that, think that they bring something extra to the, to, you know, the profession and they can, you know, help their students or their pupils even, even further. So what are your thoughts about the Giants retaining him? Yeah, I mean, I I think I think it's good I, because there's familiarity now on the defense. If you keep some of these guys, as long as they they feel like these guys are good fit, Dable obviously interviewed them. I saw a picture. I think it was Bobby actually from Talking Giants who posted it, where Dable went out to dinner with Henderson, and I said to myself, "All right, he's probably coming back." Yeah. Um, but yeah, the New York Giants look like they're try- kind of trying to keep the the coaching staff on the defensive side for the most part as as intact as I guess they possibly can. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think the defense has been the problem the last couple of years, so I see no problem uh, keeping a guy like Henderson on the staff along with Patrick Graham. So I'm, I'm happy that they're back. I see no issues with it at all. Yeah, I, I am as well. I mean, like I said, I something to be said about former NFL players who come on and, 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 and you know, not all of them, but they, they just – I've asked enough players about it over the years, and they say, yeah, there's definitely something there because they've been in the trenches. They, they see what's going on and – they can lend a different perspective. So, all right. We got a question here from uh, Sadvik. I hope I'm saying the name. I'm bad with names, so I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. Do you feel the Giants um, the Giants uh, may trade Daniel Jones if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks? No. I, I, look, John Mara has said at least twice that he would be very surprised if Daniel Jones is not their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, now the only way I don't think Daniel Jones is the starter, and this is a very long, long shot is if his neck injury isn't fully healed. That's the, that to me is the wild card. Now at the, uh, Brian Dable presser, he was asked about Daniel and where he is with the neck. And right now, if the season were to start today, Daniel would not be cleared, but they are optimistic that Daniel will be ready to go come 
um, August. Now I know Chris, there was some confusion. I think we had, we, we cleared this up on your show when I was on your show about the comments that were, they were made about, Oh, you know, Daniel's not going to ha- have any contact or be allowed to be cleared until August. Mm-hmm. And what Daniel was re- referring to uh, for those who are still confused about that, he was just saying that, look, you know, we don't have to worry Clear about contact, you know, playing in the preseason games, which involve contact until August. So we, in other words, we have plenty of time before he gets to that stage and a decision has to be made. So uh, in the meantime, Daniel can lift, he can run, he can throw, he can do all the things he needs to do to get ready. He just needs that final clearance that, okay, you can take a hit and Dag Naman, he better learn how to slide feet first if he's going to run. This did, yeah. I mean, seriously, get with a baseball coach. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's got to be the first thing they teach him with this new coaching staff. But I'm with you. I mean, had the season played out differently, I would have said that that's a possibility in terms of trading Jones. Like, say, he never got hurt. <laughs> I would have said maybe it's a possibility. Like, if they could get a, a package similar to the Jets got for Sam Darnold, where they got like a second, a fourth, and a six-round pick. Um, if a team presented him with an offer like that, I would say it's possible, especially if they feel like Jones is not going to be the long-term answer here. But the fact that I don't think you're getting anywhere near that, like you said, mainly due to the fact that with the neck, it's kind of a, it's questionable. And he hasn't had a ton of success either in terms of the win-loss department. And statistically speaking over the last two years, whether it's mainly his fault or not, I, I just don't see there being much of a market for Jones where, where it would be, where it would be much of an incentive to trade him. The way I look at it is you keep him, I think they're going to view him as a guy that's either going to be a guy that improves and he becomes a guy that could be a, more of a long-term answer, or he's going to be that stopgap to the inevitable guy that replaces him if he does not, you know, show a dramatic improvement this year. But I know fans want to talk about the next hot shot college, you know, prospect quarterback that we could be bringing in. And that's going to happen during every draft until such time you make a change at the quarterback. Um, uh, unless we get a guy that we know is like a defined long-term answer. But I don't see it happening Like for all the reasons that you've said. I mean, there's been quotes that have come out that have said that Dable was absolutely in love with Daniel Jones. Mara's come out now twice and said that he expects Daniel Jones to be the starter next year. If you're drafting a quarterback top five, top seven, Daniel Jones is not going to be the starter. I mean, not if you're taking a quarterback that high. So I just don't think we're drafting a quarterback. I really don't. And, and maybe they will. Maybe we'll both be wrong. But yeah. I think it's going to be Jones. I expect him to be the starter. And I don't think he's getting traded. Yeah, I, I, again, I go back to, you know, see what you've got with Fromm because he came down from Buffalo and get a veteran. Now, do I think that they should have a veteran push Daniel Jones? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm i a little, you know, I got to be honest with you. I was surprised that Mara said, I would be surprised if Daniel's not our starter. You're basically saying, Daniel, you got nothing to worry about. You are our starter. To me, competition never hurt anybody. Yeah. And I would not be sitting there, especially given how this team is coming off of a, you know, a four win season, which I understand is not all Daniel's fault. I would not be guaranteeing anybody a starting job next year, other than maybe Andrew Thomas, who I think, you know, earned it, you know, maybe a couple of other guys too, but certainly not, you know, guys who are, I think were like iffy. Yeah. I also think the fact that he, and I agree with you, I think they definitely need at least a strong improvement in terms of, a backup to, to push Daniel Jones for sure. Um, but I also think the fact that Mara came out and literally said, we completely screwed up Daniel Jones leads me to believe that they don't think Jones is the problem. Like if you right. screwed it up for Daniel Jones, you're saying Daniel Jones didn't screw it up for us. We screwed it up for Daniel Jones. So it leads me to believe that Mara does not think Jones is the problem. Um, 
and everything that's come out from the head coach and, and, and the GM, they've talked about wanting to build around Daniel Jones. So maybe they're lying. Um, I don't think so, though. I think he's going to be the guy. All right. Now, Chris, I've got to flash this question up on, on the screen because this is specifically for you. We're talking about Daniel Jones and sliding and everything like that. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, you know, since we're talking about sliding and you were a baseball player. Yeah. Okay. And, and this, by the way, I'm assuming is your dad. Yes. yes. Hello, Mr. Gozo. Um, how difficult is it to learn how to slide feet first? Is, is it that big of a deal? Do you think, or what's the, oh, key for somebody that's it? never, I don't know if Daniel Jones has played baseball or not, but for somebody that's never played it. Yeah. Um, and I remember when, you know, when, when you were in little league, they have the bases that don't move. So you didn't really know how to like, you didn't have to know how to properly slide. You would basically just slide at the base and the base would move because if you don't slide properly in baseball, as you get older, the bases don't move. They stay in place. You could injure yourself. Um, so yeah, you have to, if you're a, ba- a guy who played baseball, like I did, you know, it through, you know, through high school, yeah, you have to be able to teach yourself how to properly slide. So yeah, it is a skill. It may, some people may look at it and be like, Oh, how hard is it to slide? It, it is it is more of a skill that some people may realize that have never played the sport. Yeah, I, I played softball as a as a teenager, and I got to be honest with you, I don't think I ever slid. I was afraid to slide. I don't know yeah. why, um, but I just never did it. But then again, I didn't have to worry about it because back then my knees were pretty stable, and I was able to run. And I not, nine times out of ten, if I had to reach base, I made it safely. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get another question up here from JC Silva. How do you feel about Aaron Robinson? Oh, this is a good one. He looks tough as nails, high energy. Has he made homes obsolete? Now, here, let me ask you this one, Chris. I mean, could it? We know when uh, Robinson was drafted, he was drafted as a, uh, a slot cornerback. I think that's what he played at UCF. Could he maybe make the transition to outside cornerback if the Giants move on from James Bradbury, or would you keep him in the slot? And maybe, I don't know, does Holmes become obsolete or does he become your dime back? Yeah, well, Holmes played outside in college. It's just that the Giants felt like, and a lot of people felt like, it's why they tried him out in the slot at the Senior Bowl because they thought he'd be better fit to play slot in the NFL. So, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure how the Giants will feel about Holmes, but I think Robinson, if I'm not mistaken, played almost exclusively slot in college. And I think he was drafted to play that role with the New York Giants. So my guess would be, and again, we don't know due to the fact that the guys that are coming in had nothing to do with either one of those players in terms of bringing those players in. So I guess they're going to analyze these guys and come up with a decision in in terms of who they think is best suited where. But if I had to guess, uh, based off the way that Robinson played last year, I thought he was starting to show improvement throughout the year. I, I think Robinson's going to have the uh, the upper hand on, on Darnay Holmes in terms of the, slot, the starting slot cornerback. Um, but that's not a guarantee at, at all right. um, due to the fact that Joe Shane has nothing to do with either one of them. Yeah, and, and everybody's, you know, again, clean slate for everybody. So that's going to be interesting to see, though. But I, I wonder if maybe the Giants have their – answer if they move on from James Bradbury and if we don't know if that's going to be the case all right let's get another one up here this is from uh the FBI do you think we need another receiver yeah I I do I do um as I've mentioned I don't think Sterling Shepard is going to be back next year which again is going to kill me because I love Shep um I I especially don't want to see you know the fact that he's ending he would be potentially ending his Giants career with that injury just breaks my heart. But when they drafted Kadarius Tony, to me, that was the writing on the wall for Shep. 
because what you don't want, in my opinion, when do you remember when they signed Golden Tate? And I, I know when they signed him, I said, why are they signing this guy? He's basically a duplicate of Shepard as far as most of his skill set. And they moved Shep outside, which to me never made sense because Shep made his money as a slot receiver. Now you're moving him outside. And I just felt that it was kind of stupid on the Giants' part. Yeah, I agree. With you. So, you know, here you have Kadarius Tony, who's primarily a slot guy. I know he can play outside, I know he can do a lot more. But I, I kind of see the same situation almost where, you know, does it make sense to keep Shepard and Tony on the roster? I don't think it does. No, I don't I don't think it does either. I don't think it's going to happen, um, especially because Shepard got hurt. Had Shepard not gotten hurt, I think he would have been here for one more year. But I don't think he was ever going to be in the long-term plans of the New York Giants um, once they did what they did this past offseason. I mean, they spent $72 million on Kadarius Tony. And then they went out there and, like you said, they spent – at least he's going to be used partially in the slot. With a guy like Kadarius Tony. they spent a first-round pick on him. So I don't think he was ever in the long-term plans. I don't think Slayton's in the long-term plans either. I do think he'll be back next year. But um, I agree with you. I do think there's a need at the wide receiver position. I just don't think it's a need that we could afford to take in the first round of this year. Yes. I, I think there's more pressing needs for this football team um, at more important positions. Yes, build from the out from the inside out, please. Yeah. And also, not in, in addition to offensive line, I wonder if they're gonna, not going to address the defensive line too, because you know Austin Johnson, I believe, is going to be a free agent. You know, like I said, I don't know that they're going to pick up Dexter Lawrence's fifth year option. He will be back. Um, I think they need some more talent up there. I mean, and and here's here's a guy. I'm not sure where he fits in. Maybe you have a theory on this, but where does Ellerson Smith fit in? I mean, he's too, he's not to me, he's not bulky enough to be on the defensive line. They tried him a little bit at outside linebacker and, you know, it's a very small sample size. I just can't get a read on this guy where Mm -hmm. his best fit is. You know, when they drafted Ellerson Smith, um, I kind of looked at him as like a project uh, due to the fact that, like you said, and I know he bulked up somewhat, but I remember watching his college tape and he was like built like a pencil. He hadn't played in a year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I think he sat out due to COVID or maybe there was. Yeah, like- his season was canceled because of COVID. COVID yeah. So he hadn't played in a year. So I, I, I viewed him as a guy that was not going to have much of an impact his rookie year. And that was basically the case. He got a little bit of playing time at the end of the year. I think he had an injury uh, at the beginning, but or at least they put him on IR. Um yeah, I mean, right now I'm not going to set my, my my expectations too high for a guy like Ellerson Smith. Maybe he's a guy that you could bring in in sub packages, a guy that could be a situational pass rusher, but he's definitely not, uh, I at least as of now, a guy that I view as, a, as someone that's going to make a dramatic impact at the edge rusher position. The only guy right now that is definitively going to be on this team next year is, is Old Jalari at that position that I'm like, yeah, he could be a guy that, that could at least, you know, have somewhat of an impact. Lorenzo Carter possibly as well if they bring him back. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that, though. Carter, I would bring back on a one-year prove-it deal, or I would do a two-year deal, one of those years being voidable, um, just to just kind of spread it out a little bit. I, you know, when I say prove-it deal, obviously that would be like a minimum. So maybe I would do like a two-year deal and have one year voidable or just, you know, set it up so that all the money comes in the first year. I don't know that I would give up on Carter. Um, the last four games, he got healthy and he looked like the guy that he started to look like before he had the uh, Achilles injury uh, a couple years ago. I I don't know that he's a a Batman per se. I keep using the expression Batman Robin, um, 
I think the Giants need a Batman. Now, can Ojulari be that Batman? I don't know. Um, Quincy Roche is another guy I like. I just feel like they have a lot of Robins right now at at at, uh, at, at Edge Rusher, and they don't have that Batman just yet. I agree with you. Uh, there's no Batman on this roster, and I don't want to pay Lorenzo Carter Batman money. Right. If I could, if I could pay Lorenzo Carter Robin money, if I could pay Lorenzo Carter Catwoman money. Maybe, maybe I'll go about doing that, but I'm not, I'm not giving Larry. He's not, he's not, he's not a main superhero. That's the way I look at Lorenzo Carter. Um, I'm not giving him that top tier money, but I do think he's a guy that has potential. The problem with him has always been injuries, at least in recent years. Um, He started to show some potential Joe judges first year, the first three or four games before he got hurt. And I do think it's a legitimate uh, excuse or whatever you want to call it, that he did start off slow this year, being that he was coming off, of the, the serious Achilles injury the year he had before. And it could have been, you know, the fact the way as good as he looked over the last four or five games could have been him getting back at the form. And I, I would love to have Carter back, but it's got to be for Catwoman money. Can't be for Batman money. <laughs> I don't even he think also, I want to give him Robin money. <laughs> I want to give him. <laughs> well, he also had that ankle injury. Don't forget. He had an ankle injury mid season too, which I think kind of slowed things down as well. So, yeah. but yeah, I agree with you. I would not pay him Batman money at all, but uh, all right, let's uh, we got about another 15 or so minutes left. We'll take your questions here. Uh, LA sports wants to know, could we possibly trade Martinez or Bradbury? I don't think they can trade Martinez because he's coming off the injury. Bradbury though. I wonder, um, I would inquire, I would, you know, could they trade him? I, I could, I could see that. I mean, you'd have to find a team that had a lot of cap space and who felt they were one cornerback away, but I wouldn't rule that out. Would you? No, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I just don't know how many teams are going to be looking to trade for a 30, 31 year old cornerback that makes $21 million. That's but you'd probably be able to get something for him. There's going to be teams out there that need help at that position. I would so- if I if I was going to cut him, I would sooner look to trade him. I would try to get some draft compensation. Now I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think his his dead cap is, is still going to go against the New York Giants salary cap by trading him. It's still the same hit. It's just a matter of getting some draft compensation back if you were if you were able to trade him. But if they do trade him. Don't expect to get much more than, you know, say like a fourth or a fifth round pick, similar to what we got for Stacks Harris when we traded him. Right. Um, just due to the fact of the amount of money that the guy makes and the salary cap, you know, space that he would eat up on the team that he was going to. So, but yeah, I think there may be a, a market for him. It just wouldn't be as high as some fans may think. Yeah. And just so, so everybody knows when you trade a player, the cap, the remaining prorated signing bonus accelerates into the current cap year if you do it before June 1st. So um, obviously you, you, you want to take that into consideration. So if the Giants were to trade James Bradbury before June 1st, they would get hit with all the dead money up front. And look, the Giants are going to have a big amount of dead money. And I, I talked about that in my salary cap pieces on Giants country. But um, I do think the good news is, is in 2023, that cap will be a lot healthier looking than it is now. Um, you don't want to see, you don't want to pile up the dead money. I mean, t- losing teams pile up the dead money and the giants for a couple of years were right up there in the top five with dead money. And they, you know, they had the record to show for it. And I remember Pat Shermer, I think at one point, even griping about that saying, you know, well, we couldn't do anything in free agency. So um, yeah, you want to be careful with that and, and just try to balance that out a little bit. So, all right. Some, some more questions we'll take. 
Uh, Sergio Rodriguez, haven't heard anything about Wilson coming over. Is that officially dead? Sergio, I don't think that ever really had life, to be honest with you. I mean, again, John Mara, um, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, they've all pledged their support and belief in Daniel Jones. You know, we've talked about the Giants cap situation. I don't think the Giants are going to make a trade for Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. I, I, Russell's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see him here. Financially, I don't think they can pull it off. Yeah, I think that, that if I'm being honest with you, Pat, I think that's probably that when, when you the Russell Wilson thing to me was always a pipe dream and it was always just something that was content, something to talk about when there was very little to talk about. And fans like to talk about quarterback rumors and where this guy may end up. And I'm sure that Russell Wilson threw it out there that he played for the Giants due to the fact that, w- that it would be good for his off the field impact. And his wife has been rumored to want to come to New York for quite some time. But it never made a whole lot of sense to me in terms of the fit with the New York Giants. He's approaching 35 years old. What it would cost to bring him in for a team like the New York Giants, like Shane has said from the start, that is looking to build from the ground up. That's basically what he's told you guys. Maybe not those exact words. I don't see the New York Giants trading away two, three first-round picks for a guy that's 35 years old. I think Russell Wilson makes a lot more sense if they were to trade him to go to a team that's further developed, uh, a team that is a quarterback away next year from feeling like they could compete for a Super Bowl. I don't view the Giants as one of those teams. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. This next one's a comment from Tay Gerardo. See what they have with Jake from. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's on the, I think he's uh, going to be a uh, an exclusive rights free agent, if I'm not mistaken. He's not going to count against top 51. What is, what's the harm, man? I mean, come on. It, it, worst case scenario, if you need that roster spot, you can cut him. But for put the on, time being. practice squad. Why not? Or, right. But I'm, I'm talking for the 90 man roster. If he's not going to count against top 51, which I doubt he will. What's the big deal? I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. what, what do you got to lose? You might be surprised then, or you might find out that he's totally worthless. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's my thinking there. So, all right. Another question here. Let's go with the, this is Satvik uh, who asked, would you sign a veteran offensive lineman along with drafting a few? I would. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my feeling from the offensive line regarding the offensive line, I felt that, um, they last year they and it wasn't you know granted it was circumstances nobody counted on injury nobody counted on um you know guys retiring but that said the giants were going with all youth which i get what they were trying to do but their backup plan as far as you know having young guys in the pipeline that's where i think they fell short amongst other places with the offensive line so i would absolutely Consider signing a veteran. I wouldn't spend a lot on a veteran. I would maybe go like in the second, pick somebody out of the second tier, maybe second or third tier of free agency. Mm-hmm. And I would use that draft to get at least two guys. And then maybe I would get an undrafted free agent offensive lineman because they need talent in that pipeline, which they do not fully have. Yeah. I, I don't think they have a choice, but to do both. Um, right now we have, one guy that we know for sure is going to be a starting offensive lineman next year for the New York Giants. We could say that Lemieux maybe could be. We could say that, uh, you know, Gates maybe could be. But the only guy we know for sure is Andrew Thomas. So I think they need to do both. They're probably going to lose Will Hernandez to free agency. I think they're going to sign a guard. But I don't think it's like you said, we don't have a lot of money. So I think it's going to be like a short-term solution. I I, I brought it up today on Twitter. I think uh, Ryan Bates, I don't know if uh, you or anybody in the chat knows much about him. I did a little bit of research just because – 
the you know, I figure we're bringing over, over all their coaches anyway. You would only think that some of the potential pending free agents for the Bills, the New York Giants, would look to bring in. Uh, Bates is a guy that the, the Bills traded for in, uh, I think it was 2019 with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a former undrafted free agent offensive lineman. He's got um, experience playing both the guard and the center, so he's all over the interior. He had like a 66 grade last year. But I would look at I would look for it to be somebody like that, like similar to a guy like Mike Remmers, but on the interior. Um, you know, a guy that's going to be a one or two year stopgap that you that, that could fill a hole until you get more of a long term answer. I don't see them finding a long term answer in free agency, but I do think they'll look to fill a hole through it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, Sat- Satvik keeps coming up with the great questions here. Nobody's talking about Rodarius Williams. Does he have a place on the Giants? I think he does. I definitely think he does. Um, played well, con- all things considering. Uh, last year, of course, you know, had the injury, unfortunately, but um, I'd bring him back and I'd let him compete. Yeah, I see no reason not to bring him back. Um, and, you know, depending on what you do in the draft, I suppose, maybe it doesn't make the roster if you draft a couple of cornerbacks, but I see no reason not to bring him back and, and see, see if he can compete to at least provide some depth on the uh, on the outside. I wouldn't bank on him being a starter, um, but no no reason not to bring him back. Yeah, def- definitely. Um you know, they have some guys. Jaron Williams is another guy who, you know, I think will be back. Again, remember, folks, you've got the top 51. So the cap rules change a little bit. You can carry these guys and not have them hit your cap. And, you know, you're going to need 90 for, for, for training camp anyhow. So so why not? Why not bring them back? Um, what's the worst that happened? Maybe somebody steps up and you, and you find somebody that, you know, you didn't know you had. I mean. Yeah, I think I, I I expect players like that to be back. I don't. They're not going to cut everybody. No, they can't. I mean, it's tempting to cut everybody, but uh, <laughs> but no, they're not. They're definitely not going to to do that. All right. So, Chris, we have a few minutes left. What would you like to see this Giants team do? Whether it be a coaching hire or, or you know, obviously we won't see any personnel moves or serious personnel moves for a while yet. But what do you think has to be the next big priority? Uh, for this team in the next few weeks, whether again, coaching higher or, or, you know, what they need to do. Well, um, well, they, they pretty much already have the, 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 the main pieces of the coaching staff filled out, it seems right with the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. I mean, I, I, I think the next couple of weeks, what they're going to do is they're going to sit down. They're going to talk about their strategy. The first thing you got to focus on is obviously you still got to focus on the draft. You got to kind of do it at the same time, but come up with an off season plan Talk about the players that you want to bring back. Talk about the players that you want to cut. I think the first thing that Shane's going to focus strongly on, kind of like he hinted at, is getting this the, the salary cap situation figured out. Getting the, getting that $40 million off the roster and finding out how they're going to replace some of the players they're going to have to move on from um, in free agency and both the draft. Um, in terms of needs, I mean, we've said it several times. This offseason, to me, it's got to be focused heavily on the offensive line and, and definitely on the defensive line as well. I, I think they need help on both sides of the – both sides of the trenches, but I, I think you have to focus strongly on that offensive line and you got to start coming up with a plan in terms of, you know, between the offensive coordinator and, and, and now Dable with Kafka and Dable to, to, to figure out what type of offense you want to mold around Daniel Jones and what players could get the most out of him. Absolutely. And, you know, for those who missed it, it looks like Kevin Abrams is staying on to help Joe Shane with the salary cap. Now, a lot of people, and this is another misconception, a lot of people blame Kevin Abrams for the mess that the Giants are in. 
Kevin Abrams basically, you know, did he have a hand in it? Yes, but not as big a hand as you think it is. Basically, it was a matter of, you know, the GM coming and saying, hey, we want to sign this guy for this amount, figure out how to make it fit. And if your boss says, okay, figure out how to make something fit and you know you don't have the budget, you're going to kind of pull every trick out of your, your hat that you can. Yeah. So um, I can't blame him for that. I, I, mean, I don't blame him either. I, I think, look, Kevin Abrams, for those who don't know, he came from the NFL Management Council t- over 20 years ago. That's when they were starting to put the salary cap in. And that's why Ernie Accorsi hired him. Ernie told me this for my book. He hired him because he came right from the NFL Management Council. So he was in on the ground floor when they put the salary cap in. Now, the cap rules have changed, obviously, but Abrams has stayed on top of it. For the most part, he's done a pretty good job, I think, with managing the cap. I know it's out of control right now, but I put that more on the strategy, the overall strategy that the Giants tried to to, to pull off last year. A strategy which, by the way, I was I was sitting there going, this is not going to end well. It was a gamble. Yeah, yeah it, it was a huge gamble. And they didn't take into consideration, you know, that, that there would be injuries, which you know you never you don't like to think about it, but you have to you have to plan for all this stuff, and there was no plan B, and I think that's why they got into the trouble that they got into. But again, I do believe that they will after this year that cap will look a lot better than it does. And also remember, folks, the the new uh, TV revenue money is going to kick in next year. This year they're kind of still coming out of the COVID problem, you know, the the, the effect of the COVID pandemic, so we're going to see an increase in the salary cap starting next year. And then therefore, you know, going onward because the new TV revenue is going to come. So uh, brighter skies are definitely ahead for the salary cap. I've already looked at that. Um, You know, when I do salary cap work, I look at, I project into the next two, three years because you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think next year the salary cap is fine for the giants for everybody that's flipping out this year. It's not, but you knew that. Last season, I mean, last year, the New York Giants had no choice. Plus, you factor in, like you were kind of saying, the pandemic last year, it actually shrunk the cap. And the Giants went out there and and they brought in the guys that they did. That's not Abrams' fault. I mean, maybe Abrams had something to do with the decision-making. He was the assistant GM. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with both Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. I think they were the main decision-makers last year in terms of who they were going to bring in. And it's his job, after you do that, to find a way to fit it under the budget. I have no problem with Abrams in terms of just being a – capologist where my issue was when we started to hear about Abrams in the offseason was when they were potentially talking about promoting him to being the GM. Mm. That's where I would have, that's where I would have an issue. But in his current role, I don't really see him having much of an impact in terms of the, the personnel decisions that the New York Giants make. As a matter of fact, I think something came out that he even, um, he even offered to potentially take mm-hmm. a step down from being the assistant yep. GM and basically just stay in his capologist role um, if Joe Shane felt more comfortable doing something along those lines. Yeah, John Mara actually said that at, at the Brian Dables presser, which, uh, look, I mean, Kevin Abrams, you know, I know, I know a lot of people give him flack. Really, he, he's a good guy. I mean, I, I've met him a couple of times, a very humble guy, willing, you know, a total team player, willing to do what's best for the organization. I think, you know, give him a chance to work with Shane. Shane's background is not in salary cap. I think that was kind of clear i think in talking with him and and also listening to him but um they'll they'll get it straightened out i'm 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 really confident and once they do folks it's going to be really exciting to see what moves they make um 
team needs a lot of work. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, they can go from worst to first. Like, like I know the 49ers did a few years ago or, or even the Bengals, they, even the Bengals had a couple of years where they had to kind of rebuild, but I kind of see this almost like when George Young was brought in here and Chris, I, I don't know how old you are. If you remember George Young, um, I do, unfortunately, cause I'm, I'm that old, <laughs> but when George Young came in, um, in 79 folks, um, the Giants were a mess. They were coming off the fumble. They were coming off 15 lousy years of football, the wilderness years. George didn't finally get that team back on track until I want to say 1981 is when they finally started to get on track. Uh, that's when they first made the playoffs. So the question is, is can we all be patient knowing that it's going to probably take a year or two for Joe Shane and Brian Dable to straighten out what is basically a roster that, that just, wasn't solid. I mean, it has some pieces, but needs a lot of work. Yeah. I, I, I look at this offseason much like I looked at the 2019 offseason. The 2019 offseason was a offseason I knew that they were going to start a rebuild. And then that's what happened. They should we 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 could go back in time like we always do and say they should have done an 18. They didn't do it. 2019 was an offseason I knew that they were kind of limited in terms of their ability to spend in free agency. It was going to be a lot of short-term deals, guys like Antoine Bethea, guys like uh, you know, uh, several other players that they brought in, uh, Marcus Golden, right, um, that were like one-year deals. I look at this offseason the same way. Don't expect the New York Giants to go out there and bring in the sexiest of names. It's not going to happen. New York Giants are going to look to try to plug some holes for this year with their roster and free agency and flip those guys over the next year. And maybe the next year is where you'll start to see them get a little bit aggressive in free agency to fill in some, you know, multi-year answers at certain positions. But this year, I think the majority of the guys they're going to they are going to bring in are going to be one-year stopgaps and I think we'll struggle this year if I'm being honest. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they win 17 games, but I, I think it I think it's a process and I think as a fan base we need to realize that and it's going to take a little bit of time and we have to hope that these guys make the right decisions. Absolutely. And just got to be patient. I mean, I think they'll be better than what they were last year. I mean, nowhere to go but up, really. But, uh, you know, just got to be patient. And I know that's that's easier said than done because we've all sat through the deck last decade and it's just it's been hard <laughs> for all of us. I don't like it anymore. I know there's there's this big theory that the media likes covering losing football. I don't I can't speak for anybody else. I don't like it. But uh, I'm optimistic. I always am, you know, well, until proven otherwise. So anyway, folks, this is great. Chris. Always a pleasure. This was fantastic. Again, apologies earlier for uh, for cutting off the first few minutes of the broadcast. I hope it, I hope it recorded. If it did, I'll, I'll re-upload everything. I hope it's on there. If not, you didn't miss all that much. Um, folks, if I did not answer your questions, please feel free to send them to me. The email address is LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter Tuesday planned for next week. So I will get those questions in if I did not see them or miss them uh, on this, this show. And uh, Chris, I know you you keep doing your thing. You, you, not just Giants, you do Knicks. Uh, I, you, I guess you do Yankees too, right? Yes, yeah, I'm a Mets fan. Um, oh, Mets. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> Uh, I'm a Mets fan too, a Mets sufferer. Yeah, I remember you telling me that uh, uh, a while ago. Um, but yeah, mainly like 95% Giants. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just appreciate you having me on anytime uh, there's something to talk about. Always more than welcome to come on my channel as well. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, we're, we're going to find out. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking about it today, Pat. I was like, wow, like free agency is like five weeks away or six weeks yeah. away. And, and the draft's like 10 weeks away. Like it's going to be here before you know it. This is going to come up real fast. And I think the... 
the, I think maybe why it stuck up with me a little quicker this year is because it was an extra week to the regular season, perhaps. I don't know, but it just felt like it got here quicker this year. So I'm excited to watch the Senior Bowl uh, tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll see some guys that stand out. And I'm sure some fans will be excited about that. And draft's going to be here before you know it. But I, I appreciate you having me on. And, um, yeah, let's go Giants. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. And Roldy, I saw your comment. I, I, I think I missed your questions. And I apologize because I'm these comments come at me really quickly. So I'm trying to keep up with them while also trying to pay attention to, to the screen. So Roldy, send your questions into me um, on email. The the address is going to be in the show notes. Uh, again, it's locked on giants podcast at gmail.com. I'll be happy to answer those questions as well as anybody else who I might have missed. Send those questions in to me. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back Monday with an all new show, and I'll have to check and see what my subscriber count is. Who knows? Maybe, 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 maybe we'll be opening up the box to find out what's in it if I hit 2,000 subscribers. So, you gained some. I just looked. You're not there yet, though. I'm not there yet. Okay. Not there yet, but you gained some. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe some po- at some point next week. We'll see if it if it rock and rolls well. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend, Chris. Thank you for for joining joining me as always, folks. Thank you for coming in, and we will catch you next week.